Hey, this is the Pain-Free Life Podcast. Grab yourself some popcorn, maybe your favorite drink, and we'll be back in a flash. All right, let's get into it. Let's talk about hamstrings. Now, hamstring rehabilitation, pretty common uh, in orthopedic outpatient clinics, but not everybody does it right, in my opinion. Um, The hamstrings typically feel tight in most people, and people tend to stretch the heck out of the hamstring. You know, a hamstring is one of those muscle groups, whether it's the biceps femoris, the short long head, or it's the tendinosus membranosus. Those muscles tend to be a little bit more neurologically tight, which means it's the perceived tightness is not coming from the muscle or spindles itself, but it's more of a, it's more neurological, you know, so the spindles are involved, but because they're so innervated, I think they tend to be, they feel a little bit more tight than say the rectus femoris on the antagonistic side. So you pull, you tear a hamstring, it could be at the musculotendinous where the muscle meets the tendon or the tendoperiosteal junction, where the tendon meets the membranous, membranous uh, tissue of the, of the uh, bone, the outside of the bone. Anyway, what you do? Well, if you have a pull, hydrotherapy they call it in um, other places, non-US, US calls it aqua therapy. Get them in the pool and start having the person walk straight ahead in the sagittal plane. I wouldn't mess around with side-to-side walking, and I wouldn't mess around with backpedaling. Just have them walk straight, and here's the reason. Inside the water, with a viscous material such as H2O, it diminishes the amount of eccentric contraction. Okay, so when you look at gait straight ahead, you have the swing phase of the leg. Let's say it's the right leg here. And right before heel contact, which is where the heel initially strikes the ground to foot flat, what happens is from the transition from the swing phase to the heel contact, you're going to have the hamstrings, which are eccentrically loaded. So it's almost like when you throw a baseball, if your lats don't stabilize your arm, your arm's just going to keep going until it hits the ground. And that's kind of what the hamstrings do when you swing that leg forward and start to start to uh, decelerate the foot to put contact uh, on the calcaneus. So when you're inside the water, that's what it's doing. It's diminishing that eccentric part so that you can walk with literally no pain. Let pain be your guide in that sense. You do that for a week, two weeks. It just depends on how acute or chronic that injury is. Okay, then you would move on. My stage two for the hamstring pull would be to move on to the treadmill. Now, be careful. You don't want to walk straight forward because what happens is the eccentric component is still there. So what do you do? You just turn it around. If you have handles on either side of the treadmill, hold on to the handles because it's very hard to see when you're backpedaling. So now you're walking backwards. Now the hamstrings are not being eccentrically loaded. Actually, to move the leg backwards, they're concentrically loaded, and therefore it's more of a pressure on the rectus femoris. You do that for a bit of time. And keep in mind throughout these stages, you have different things, your, your other therapeutic exercise that's happening, but those are secondary to really uh, the main mechanics of which I want you to understand. And the third phase would be uh, just turn around and now load the hamstrings in the way that they are naturally um, take on force through gait, okay? And then, you know, the fourth stage, really stage four, 
uh, you're past, past that level of recovering from injury, you want to take it into a performance component, you try jogging. But really that's it. Stage one, you're walking straight ahead in a sagittal plane in the water. Stage two, you're walking on a, tr- a treadmill or just on land backwards though. Stage three is you're walking straight ahead. And then stage four, you know, that, that's all the strength work that comes with it. Hope that makes sense. That's news to me. All right, second and last topic is college football. So at the time of this podcast, the pandemic is going on. So therefore, we've got the 2020 pandemic season. Man, nothing will ever be the same, will it? But you've got teams that are playing, such as in the SEC and the ACC, I believe. I heard that the ACC is even playing the full 12-game schedule or something like that. But then you've got other teams uh, like the Pac-12, they're going to be opening up in November. So you have some teams that aren't playing at all. It's just a hodgepodge of um, events right now. Right now, at the time of this taping, you've got teams that personally I think would would be uh, 0-3, 0-4 right now. They're actually 3-1, 4-0. I think that having a having a ranking right now is a bad idea. You know, where you're actually going to put somebody first place, second, all that. It's This is kind of a, a write-off season, and I'll tell you why. Obviously, for the kids, they're playing hard. Um, but from a performance perspective, this is why this season is just, you know, it's, it's just to stay in shape. I don't think you should put too much emphasis into who's ranked and, and who's a champion of, of this year. Really, it's just for the kids. It has to do with me being a strength conditioning guy. When you have a team of talented individuals, and that's what Division I players are, they're talented individuals, they can play the game, you have, you have basically three kinds of people, three kinds of guys. You have the guys that are marginally talented, but they work really hard to make up for that marginal talent. And therefore they stand out in their high school and then they get picked up. So they have an incredible work ethic. They may love the game. They may have uh, decent genetics, but not great genetics. They've got to build their body up in some way. Uh, and, and strength conditioning is really a big part of what they do. Those are the ones that, that, uh, that'll do well. Then you have the guys that have phenomenal ability. They're just genetic phenoms, but they're lazy. They just like to play the game, but they don't like all the things that goes with it, like a good diet, uh, especially strength conditioning, um, where it's getting in the weight room. They hate to do that, and they don't like running. Those are the phenoms. That's the second type. The third type of football player are the ones that are genetic phenom, and they have this attitude of gratitude. They've got this mindset that I need to be a champion. I need to give it everything I have. And those are the ones that go far. Those are by far your your NFL players. Not that all three can't get to the next level, but those are really the ones that that get the most out of their genetics, the ones that are genetic phenoms and they work hard. But here's the thing. During quarantine, these guys were not under the supervision of a strength conditioning coach and his staff. Now that's huge because because the season is made in off-season. Off-season makes the in-season. It's where you're developing all the motor abilities necessary to play the game at a high level. 
when you got these guys in quarantine, you might be Zoom calling with a strength coach, and the strength coach is going to say, hey, did you get the workout I sent you? Yes, sir, I got it. Did you do it? Yep. Did you get the percentages in? Yep. Did you run? Yep. And I tell you what, two out of those three are going to do it. The guys with marginal talent that work hard are going to do everything the strength coach said. The guys that are genetic phenoms are also going to work hard. What you can account for are those guys that are genetic phenoms, but they're just good at the game, but they hate the conditioning stuff. And so that's what you have. You have unsupervised strength conditioning. The performance is not the same during the season because you didn't have the watchful eye of the strength coach and his assistants forcing everybody to be on the same page. And then you don't have the guys in person which are pushing each other to be better. And what you have is tons of bodies laying around during the game. You see how many injuries we have during this pandemic season? So don't put too much stock on Alabama's losing and BYU's doing well. You know, I I mean, I feel good about those teams doing it, and that's fantastic. But this season, this pandemic season, is not a true um, sign of who's going to be first, second, third come next year when everything's back to normal. Strength conditioning is the king, always has been, always will be. You guys have a great one. We'll see you next podcast. Bye-bye. God bless.